Good morning. Good morning. So, got a question for you. Y'all ever lost anything that was really important to you? Yeah. Yeah, we all have at some point or another. Whether it's car keys, cell phone, a little bit of money you knew you had lying around, title to a house. <laughs> Sometimes things get misplaced. But you spend some time looking for those things, don't you? Put forth a lot of effort till you find it. You know, I want you to know that God is searching for us that same way, if not greater. He doesn't stop until he finds the ones that he's looking for. And he's searching so hard for us. Sometimes we're running from him. We're trying to hide because we don't realize the good that he does have planned for us. But God is searching for us. And there's a good many of us that have been found and that are safe and secure in his arms and his love. And we know it and we live a life according to that. But we forget to remind those that are around us that are still lost that he's searching for them too. So when we turn to Luke chapter 15, we see Jesus telling a couple of stories of lost things. So it starts off, it says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, Jesus had an agenda. It wasn't to save the righteous. It was to save the lost. It was to approach those sinners, those tax collectors, those unrighteous people as society saw them. Much today, Jesus approaches the same type of people, whether they're prostitutes or drug addicts or alcoholics or homeless or maybe they just live a rough lifestyle. But he approaches those because he's here to save the lost. So Jesus responds with a small parable. He says, So he told them this parable. What man among you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and coming home he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. More joy in heaven over one sinner than over 99 righteous. And it's too often that we sit and we think, oh, well, I'm saved, I'm okay, I'm fine. Why is the preacher paying so much attention to the one who isn't? Why does he minister to me like he's ministering to him? Y'all, God is trying to reach those ones. Because at the moment of your salvation, there was more joy in heaven than everybody else that was sitting in that church. And at the moment of someone else's salvation, there will be more joy in heaven for that one also. See, what the Pharisees and scribes have forgotten is that the joy had already been expressed for them. The celebration had already ex existed for them because they had become righteous. Because they forgot that there was a time in their life when they weren't. 
righteous. And then forgetting that, they become self-righteous in their own right. They think themselves higher than the others. And y'all in the church, we see that a lot today also. People that have been in the church for a while see somebody come in off the street just wanting to hear a good uplifting message maybe or just get in out of the cold or the rain and they look at them with disgust and disgrace because of the way they're dressed. Or maybe they have tattoos all up and down their arms. Or may even have a tattoo coming up their neck. And you're looking at them and we look at them and we think, why is that person here? Because we forgot that we were once that person. We may not look the same. We may not act the same, but we were just as lost at one point in our lives. And those Pharisees and those scribes had forgotten that. That they had to learn to be who they were at that point. That they didn't just wake up in the morning and become righteous people in the temple. They had to study and practice and learn to be that righteous person. And so Jesus is telling them that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance. But they didn't see that there was that much rejoicing when they came also. And Jesus said, tells them another parable because apparently it's probably not getting across to him. He says, or what woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Now, silver coin is worth a lot of money. It's worth a lot of money today. Especially if it's solid silver. One ounce of coin, I, I'm not even sure what it's worth today. Fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars probably. That's a lot of money. Yeah, she's going to spend some time looking for that silver coin. Whether it had a sentimental value to her or just monetary value, she's going to spend a lot of time looking for that coin. And she's going to celebrate finding that coin. And she's going to tell her friends, hey, I found the coin. Come celebrate with me. So if you think about it like that, think about today's value, a solid silver coin worth $1,500, $1,600, that's a rough guess, I'm not exactly sure, it's probably more than that. How much would you rejoice over finding that if you knew you had lost one, you had 10, but you only counted nine, you knew one was missing somewhere? Angels are rejoicing more than that when a sinner comes to Christ. When someone gives their heart to Jesus, angels rejoice more than that. Today we put so much value on so many material things. Jesus wanted to point out these material things, the way we feel about them. Angels feel more about a lost sinner coming to Christ than that. God is rejoicing more in heaven, celebrating more in heaven when the lost come home than a shepherd who finds a sheep that he's been missing. That was his livelihood. Each one is so valuable. 
be no different than a cow farmer having 15 head out in the field and he noticed one's missing. It's a lot of money missing. He's going to try and find it. No different than you ordered 10 doors and only 9 come in. You want to find out where that other one's at. Use Mr. Mitch, for example, you put in 30 something windows, what on got broken, you'd be kind of upset. You'd be kind of upset. That's money, that's time, that's effort. God rejoices more, more over one lost sinner coming home. Now, I know I'll mark 15, 1 through 10. I wasn't sure if God wanted me to go into this next part, but I'm going to. Because it's one of the most famous parables we have. And to break it down just a little bit. Starting in verse 11, he also said, man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he'd spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He longed to eat his field from the pods that the pigs were eating but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and he went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer to be, no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and it's found. So they began to celebrate. Y'all, when we're out in the world, lost sinners, we are that son. We see the separation that sin caused from for us to be separated from our Father in Heaven. And usually, more often than not, we have to get to a low point in our life before we realize we need Him. And we need to come back to Him. And we're willing to be a servant in the house of God than a king in hell. And when we get to that point where we're willing to humble ourselves to be a servant in the house of God, that's when God dons us with robes and makes us equal to His Son because we share in His inheritance. We share in the inheritance of Christ. 
He has made us adopted into His family as children of His through Christ. And it says, it said up there when He saw His Son a long way off, He felt compassion. He ran, threw His arms around His neck and kissed Him young. That's what happened when Christ hung on that cross for our sins. His arms were open wide to bring us in. And just to prove He was the Son of God, He resurrected from the dead. So that He could show us what it's like to be dead and to come alive again. That's why we call it being born again when, we be, when we're saved. It's because we're dead and lost in our trespasses and our sins. And when we come to Christ, we're born and made alive in Him. But as we grow older in the church, we start to look more like the other son. It says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father slaughtered, slaughtered the fattened calf because he has had him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your assets for prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. How often do we have that attitude toward new people coming into the church, toward people who don't look like the right type of people? How often do we have that attitude? Why are we letting these people in the church? I've been here for so long and nobody's come up, shook my hand, celebrated me being here. So easily we forget we were once that person. Whether we were children or teenagers or come in as young adults or even come in as old adults. We were once that person. But as we grow and get used to being at church and our church constantly, we start to look more and more like the second son. Father never wavers. He tells him, Son, in verse 31, he says, Son, he said to him, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We need that reminder in the church today that there are still lost dead people in the world that we're trying to reach with God's message. There are still lost people out there who need to hear of God's love for them. They need to hear of God's grace and God's mercy and what Christ did on the cross for us, for them, for you, for me. And I'm not even the greatest at it. Sometimes I forget to share that with people who are around me. 
got to remember that we've been with God for a while. And he celebrated us when it was our time. Don't be jealous when he celebrates for those who are coming in there. The son should have celebrated with his brother instead of being angry toward him about it. what Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees and scribes. Celebrate those who were lost but now are found. Join in the rejoicing of their salvation. They've come home. They're not who they once were. But judging them on that, celebrate with them. Because I can guarantee you that the celebration in heaven is far greater than anything we can put together. To celebrate those who have been lost and are found. And if we know someone who is lost, who is hurting, who acts like they've got to get something right before they show up, tell them that's not true. Just come on in. Invite them to join you. Minister to them. Share the gospel with them. But hey, honestly, if I'm able to go, they'll welcome you. They'll welcome you. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I ask that you might weigh on someone's heart today. If they've heard this message and they feel a call to come to you, Lord, in repentance, the altar is open. Lord, it's your altar and not ours. It's not ours to open because it's always open. It's been open since Calvary. You tore the veil and you made it possible for us to come at any point, anywhere to cry out to you for salvation. To ask repentance. Lord, I ask that you grant that repentance to any heart that's willing today so that if they feel the pain on their heart of sin, whether they need repentance for recent sins or if they've never known you before, Lord, and are hearing your voice today and are wanting to reach out. Now that's nothing that can be earned through good works, but rather the works come later to show your grace. Because you've given salvation to us so freely so graciously that all we have to do is ask and believe in you and trust you. I ask that if anyone has got that weight on their heart, they give their life to you right now. Whether they stay where they're at or they come down to the altar makes no difference, Lord. They give their heart to you and that's what matters and that we welcome welcome them into our home, into our church, because it's really yours. And it's your home, and you're the Father who has paid so much for us. Lord, I ask that you help us to find the lost things in our life, to help us where we're hurting, where we're feeling lonely, so that we know that your presence is with us. And that no matter what's going on, you are there. I ask that you 
show yourselves to us so that we can see your glory. Whether it's through each other, through the love and care that comes from one another, or through the beauty and majesty of the world that you've created, Lord. Allow us to have eyes that can see your glory. And I ask that you allow us to have hearts that can feel your love and minds that can think your thoughts and rid us of the cruelties and the dangers and the temptations of this world. I ask all of this in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen.